You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. APT3, also known as Gothic Panda, is fingered as an agent of China's Ministry of State Security. An unreleased Disney flick is held for ransom. WannaCry may be sloppy, but it's still dangerous. OT has a harder time patching against WannaCry than IT does. The Shadow Brokers are back and still talking crocodile. How to be preemptive against phishing. And WikiLeaks releases more of Vault 7. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, May 17, 2017. The spread of the WannaCry ransom worm worldwide remains this week's leading story, and we'll turn to it later in the podcast. For now, we'd like to cover other material that may have gotten lost in all the WannaCrying. Recorded Future announced this morning their conclusion that APT3 is being run on behalf of a Chinese government agency, the Ministry of State Security. APT3 is also known as Gothic Panda. There's a panda bear family out there that's no more related to Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear than raccoons are related to grizzlies, or for that matter, President Xi to President Putin. APT3 is generally held to have been responsible for Operation Clandestine Fox, Operation Clandestine Wolf, and Operation Double Tap. Clandestine Fox was a use-after-free exploit against Microsoft Internet Explorer, discovered in April 2014 by FireEye. It was found in defense and financial services networks. Clandestine Wolf exploited an Adobe Flash zero-day. It was served up in phishing emails to targets in the aerospace and defense, construction and engineering, tech, telecommunications, and transportation sectors. Double Tap, described by FireEye in November 2014, exploited multiple known vulnerabilities in Microsoft software, including remote code and privilege escalation bugs. It was distributed by spear phishing and showed a reliance on social engineering as opposed to difficult-to-come-by zero days. The common denominator in all three operations is, of course, espionage, and the list of clandestine wolf targets suggests that the espionage is in large measure economically motivated industrial espionage. Last week, on May 9th, tipsters, whose identity is unknown but who go by Intrusion Truth, said that APT3 was the work of Guangzhou Boyu Information Technology Company, also known as Boyusec for short. Recorded Future undertook an open-source intelligence investigation of the organization, and this morning announced they have high confidence that Boyusec is doing contract espionage, both traditional and economic, for China's Ministry of State Security. 
On Monday of this week, Disney CEO Bob Iger told an employee town hall meeting that the entertainment giant was being shaken down by extortionists who threatened to release a stolen copy of a forthcoming Disney movie. The Hollywood Reporter said Iger characterized the demand as a huge sum in Bitcoin. Disney refused to pay, and true to their evil words, two digital copies of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, turned up this morning on Pirate Bay, that gray market emporium for all sorts of things swiped, swapped, or stolen. Dead Men Tell No Tales is slated for release this Friday. The files are thought to have been stolen from a post-production vendor who was adding dialogue to the movie. One of the hardest attack vectors to protect against is fishing. It's just human nature that a certain number of people, no matter how well trained, are going to click the link in the phishing email. Area 1 Security specializes in protection against phishing, and they caught our eye with a system they describe as preemptive defense. Oren Falkowitz is CEO at Area 1 Security. We find statistically that when attackers send simple Uh, very unsophisticated, plain phishing messages to organizations. If they send just 10, there's a 90% success rate of one person opening the message, clicking on a link, downloading a file, entering their username and password. And so uh, you're describing something that you refer to as preemptive cybersecurity. What does that mean? Statistically today in the cybersecurity uh, industry, organizations learn about a year after they've been breached or had damage that they've been a victim of a cyber incident, which the root cause of was phishing. And so the idea behind preemption is to take an action at a point in time where you can see a different outcome, where no data is lost, where no machines are impacted, where no networks uh, are breached. And it turns out that there are also really good corollaries in life for this method, and applying them to cybersecurity makes a lot of sense. So a good example of this would be a, a flu vaccination. You know, every year there is an outbreak of the flu, there are new strands of it, But humans, people, right, they don't walk around in fear of someone coughing on them. They take a vaccination to protect themselves. And the same thing can apply in this space where we identify proactively hundreds of thousands of phishing websites and other, you know, phishing attacks that go against organizations that go against people. And we can give them a vaccination before they cause damage. So how does the technology like this work? Are you um, analyzing links that people click on? What's the process? attackers uh, in the cybersecurity states have set up their phishing campaigns in a way that they exist before they they get sent to users, before they get distributed. And so what we focus on is creating technologies that one can identify and can learn what are those patterns of attack before they impact the user. And the second is technologies that take action on behalf of our users to vaccinate them in real time, to protect them, Uh, so that they don't have to think about it and they can go about their job without the worry of of being coughed on. If an attacker was to send an email with a link to a website that looks like a commercial banking login, right, a a website that looks like you're logging into your your bank, well, I would just analyze the link and tell you that this is a malicious page. But you'd have to do that in such speed, right, that, uh, you know, there's still some risk for damage. What it turns out is that that website, before it can be sent to the user, before it can be embedded as a link in an email, the website has to exist and it has to be accessible on the World Wide Web. And part of our sensing technology is finding those sites before they are ever sent. And so we're able to preempt them so users don't have to worry and we don't have to analyze them in the, in the moment. We go ahead and find them before, and that, that is the notion of preemption. That's Oren Falkowitz. He's from Area 1 Security.
Returning to WannaCry, the ransomware campaign is so massive and unselective as to amount to a pandemic affecting old, unpatched, pirated, or beyond-end-of-life Windows systems. Their take has now risen above $70,000 in payoff money, but that's small change when contrasted with the number of victims. Their back end is essentially manual, and the victim interface doesn't look up to snuff either. A few people have recovered access to their files by paying up, but most experts are cautioning victims against taking that route. The criminal infrastructure is so dodgy that the odds won't be in your favor. The advice people are receiving is to patch their software and back up their files. But for one important class of the affected systems, that advice may be less than helpful. We hear from industrial control system security experts Joe Weiss of Applied Control Solutions and Eddie Habibi of PAS. They point out that many ICS are built on vulnerable versions of Windows, but that those versions were all modified and adapted by the big industrial control system vendors to handle complex systems of systems that can't tolerate downtime. Patches must be thoroughly tested for unintended consequences before they're applied to industrial systems, and thus such systems have a patch cycle inherently longer than the ones you may be accustomed to for the business software on your office's laptops. So if you're one of the suits at a highly automated manufacturing plant or utility, go easy on your sysadmins. They're not being lazy or negligent, it's just that patching is a far tougher challenge in their world than it is elsewhere. The shadow brokers are back and talking. Their leak of the eternal blue exploits enabled the WannaCry pandemic. The brokers continue their implausible charade of monetizing exploits allegedly stolen from NSA, while simultaneously saying they're really in it for the glory of facing off against a worthy opponent. That is, those Professor Moriarty's, those Jokers, those, those Dr. Dooms of the Equation Group. The shadow broker said yesterday they'd taken the month of May off to watch WannaCry and You're Fired, that is, L'Affaire Comey. But they promised to be back in a big way in June, when they say they'll launch a monthly leak subscription service. Finally, WikiLeaks has dumped another set of Vault 7 documents. These purport to originate with the CIA. Some of them are said to describe methods of impeding PowerPoint and degrading the quality of presentations composed in the popular presentation software. The wording in the documents suggests the authors think PowerPoint users have it coming. Should we take this to mean that Langley is full of Edward Tuft disciples? Maybe not. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. 
Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dr. Charles Clancy. He's the director of the Hume Center for National Security and Technology at Virginia Tech. We wanted to talk today about uh, the Vault 7 and the Shadow Brokers releases of information. And really, you wanted to contrast the two of them. I did. Um, I think it's it's important to understand when you hear about all these leaks of cyber capabilities from now both NSA and CIA, that there's a difference between leaking uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures, or so-called TTPs, um, versus the actual tools themselves, um, the, the actual code behind zero-day exploits, for example. Um, so if, if you look at a lot of the, the data that's been released so far, particularly in the Vault 7 uh, leaks, it's been mostly uh, documents, PowerPoint, that really talk about how the CIA does what it does. And uh, based on that, um, some security companies have been able to uh, fingerprint certain TTPs and attribute with some degree of confidence a a wide range of hacks across the world uh, to the Vault 7 TTPs. Shadow Brokers, on the other hand, is is, a, is more than that. Uh, it, it includes a lot more of the source code, uh, which is ha- has an even greater devastating impact because uh, now you're not just fingerprinting attacks and building um, defenses against the techniques and procedures that are being used, but you actually can build sort of malware, uh, specific malware identifiers and, and hashes uh, that can be used to detect and, and block the actual exploits themselves. So there's a lot of debate ongoing right now as to the, the total impact I think the folks that are in the trenches and the intelligence agencies who are working these problems would, would claim that there is a, a huge impact in national security as a result, collectively, of these leaks. But at the same time, there are plenty of unpatched computer systems out in the world, and um, there is lots of opportunity to be had uh, just doing basic run-of-the-mill phishing attacks against unpatched Windows computers, uh, which remains the largest uh, threat surface that uh, hackers, uh, whether you're part of an intelligence agency or organized crime, uh, leverage today. While these releases of information are certainly interesting and, and damaging, um, you know, sometimes the, the old-fashioned ways are the easiest ways in. Uh, indeed. So uh, for those that are looking to uh, have, a, have a good defense against these sorts of things, uh, please just keep your software up to date, have antivirus installed, and uh, basic cyber hygiene will win out most of the time. All right. Dr. Charles Clancy, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 